Thank you for listening to the Servants of Christ Jesus podcast. Today's episode features Father John Ignatius sharing about spiritual fatherhood. To learn more about the Servants of Christ Jesus, please visit scjesus.org. Hi, and welcome to the Servants of Christ Jesus podcast. I'm Edward Lugo, the project manager of the Servants, and today I'm blessed to be joined again by Father John Ignatius, who is here to talk about spiritual fatherhood as servants of Christ Jesus. Welcome back, Father John. Thanks, Ed, for arranging all of this for us. Of course. Us. So before we get into this concept of spiritual fatherhood, I think that a brief explanation would be helpful just for everyone to understand how spiritual fatherhood is is relevant to the lives of the servants of Christ Jesus. How do you guys live out your lives as spiritual fathers. And we'll get into more detail later, but if you kind of give the bird's eye view of spiritual fatherhood in the servants of Christ Jesus. As a community of religious men, um, every man in the servants of Christ Jesus um, begins as beloved son of God, um, finds himself in a community of other men whom he calls brothers, Um, But every man in the servants of Christ Jesus um, is both fathered naturally and supernaturally uh, by God and by men here on earth. And then they become men um, who are destined to be fathers. And so uh, their growth into uh, fatherhood is essential uh, to their vocation, whether or not they become sacramental fathers. um, Since every man is destined to be a father, every servant of Christ Jesus uh, becomes a uh, uh, becomes a father um, of integrity and virtue and generosity and love. Awesome, and I love how you started talking about how first they are sons, uh, and I wanted to ask you about about sonship because mm-hmm. I think that's that's an appropriate place to start talking about about fatherhood. You know, I can mm. I can see in now that I've become a father, I can see in my own life how sonship has like acutely affected my fatherhood there's so many times where even just in day-to-day things i'm like wow i'm exactly like my father you know i react (laughs) in certain ways like my father i act like my father yes Uh, and i assume that's true you know as not just as a biological father but as a spiritual father so i mean for you and and even for other members of your community if you want to speak to that how have you seen how sonship how their sonship and your sonship has affected your life as a spiritual father Hmm. yes well we uh as men we've always we've first found ourselves uh in the relationship of being uh, sons to our fathers and um, in our lives and then sons to our heavenly father um, with baptism but also that intentional um, relationship with god through jesus christ um, in which god says you are my beloved son and you i am well pleased and so um, so it's true, both spiritually and physically, we find ourselves as sons first. And if, as fathers in the future, we can only give what we've received, um, we have to take stock for um, take stock of all that we have received from our fathers, um, our human fathers, our biological fathers, um, our coaching fathers, our teaching fathers, our spiritual director fathers. And my goal in the servants is to uh, not only model fatherhood, but to provide my sons in the community uh, with as much awareness of their own uh, spiritual sonship, but also provide them with other aspects of fatherhood from the scriptures primarily, 
um, which mediate God's uh, fatherhood, uh, but also sacramentally other priests, other formators um, through the seminary or th- through other spiritual directors and other uh, directors of the spiritual exercises that that when they come to into their own fatherhood, they've received so much and then they have more to give. So yes, uh, sonship is the, is the place to begin, um, both in the, all that has been received and all that has yet to be received. And, uh, and that's a really beautiful thing for a, for a son to realize is that in, um, in adolescence and in young adulthood, sometimes we go from idolizing our fathers to just seeing all the deficiencies. But my goal as a spiritual father is to help sons realize all the good they've received and then all the good that God still has for them um, even in places where they might not have received some aspect of their growth or masculinity or virtue uh, on their way to full maturity and fatherhood themselves. So a biological father obviously has like an official date of when he first becomes a father. You know, I yes. became a father on, I kind of stepped into fatherhood in an official capacity when I held my daughter on you know May 8th. For you, spiritual fatherhood, when did you first become aware that you were a spiritual father to mm, people. Um, um, I became aware um, in some years at Steubenville after I'd started spiritual direction um, or doing spiritual direction. Um, father Dan Petit was a spiritual director and spiritual father for me at Franciscan University. I began to be asked for spiritual direction, which startled me and surprised me and humbled me. And um, I was a little reluctant to accept that role. I had been a teacher and a preacher of retreats, but I hadn't been an ongoing spiritual director. But in prayer, um, it was mutually agreed I'd become a spiritual director, and that kind of exploded, and I had lots and lots of directees. And initially, I felt like um, a coach and a brother, a brotherly mm-hmm. coach, you know. Mm-hmm. And But it wasn't long um, in my mid-30s when a, when a people started to relate to me and actually explicitly claim that I was a spiritual father, which was another startling surprise, Mm -hmm. Um, very humbling to be identified as a father, as a spiritual father to souls. And, um, and, uh, and, and since then it's, it's, uh, it's kind of grown uh, more and more. I don't, um, I don't impose that, but, um, but I no longer kind of like refuse it when people find in me, um, something that um, reflects God's fatherhood to them and something in me that uh, supplements all that they've already received from their, from their natural fathers um, who were the first to, to, to raise them and invest in them. And so, so, um, so I, I realize that, that my role um, has been kind of to coach and to love and to guide and to accept and to direct and to bless, but also to, uh, to hold accountable. And, uh, and many people find in me kind of a reflection of fatherhood in that. Now, did you, were you hesitant? So in the, the church, you know, we're such an institution and there's such mm-hmm. a structure of father is the ordained, yeah. you know, by the church, he has been approved as priest and father. Yes. Was there a hesitancy to, and, and I guess too, if you could speak into just fatherhood as a spiritual father when you're not an ordained minister, yeah. was there a hesitancy to kind of step into fatherhood when you weren't a priest? There was some hesitation. Um, there was hesitation to spirit, to step into spiritual direction, um, feeling a bit kind of uncertain since I hadn't done it before and unworthy because I'd had such um, extraordinary um, spiritual directors in my own life. When uh, when people started to to declare that or to 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 say it out loud, 
I was a, I was a bit uncomfortable at first because my experience was that I had only had ordained spiritual directors. Um, I had only had kind of the only people that I had called father were were ordained priests. And so there was a little bit of uh, a little bit of kind of uh, who am I to be called spiritual father? But I also saw that what they were identifying in me were gifts that were already being exercised and kind of and as I as I could see the gifts and see the fruits and see the growth and see the loving investment that had been happening when they started to identify that as fatherhood, I was like, well, I guess it kind of is, you know, um, even though. I wasn't the one to name it first. I was just, you know, loving, guiding, directing, uh, blessing, providing, you know, um, spiritually speaking, you know, for people that wanted to grow. Um, what helped a lot was um, reading in the spiritual tradition of the church, there's a whole era of spiritual fathers, men, mostly laymen, who were men of prayer and penance um, in the desert, in Bethlehem or in Egypt who were um, assigned by the lay people the title Abba, which, as you know, is father. And um, most of those men were not ordained, but they were sought for counsel, for wisdom, for conversion, for guidance, you know, for redirection of their lives. And, um, and so the people of God would call them Abba long before I'm uh, aware of any ordained minister being called Abba or father. And so, so I think the spiritual leadership of those desert fathers, of those largely lay men, helped me to uh, be a little bit more comfortable with um, accepting lay people who would call me father long before I was ordained. And, um, and it kind of got me at home with being a spiritual father. And I'm glad that I grew into that even before I became an ordained priest and a sacramental father. You listed out all the characteristics of fatherhood and you were basically doing those. So <laughs> yes, you were a father, you know, blessing, and providing and guiding. Mm-hmm. Uh, and talking about that too, you know, the spiritual fathers and also just the characteristics of fatherhood. What are the greatest inspirations that you've found or who are the greatest inspirations that you found as a spiritual father? And, you know, we don't have to talk about patriarch, but uh, but I assume that there's a lot of learning about the fathers of the Old Testament and and carrying that into kind of taking those lessons and carrying those into your own spiritual mm-hmm. fatherhood. Yes. Well, there are many men that I've learned uh, fatherhood with and from primarily and firstly my own uh, natural father. Um, who is also a supernatural father in encouraging prayer um, and virtue. I think intentionally seeking inspiration for fatherhood more habitually is coming from, firstly, the Old Testament and the way that God creates, the way God blesses, the way God warns, the way God corrects, the way God forgives, uh, the way God is relentless in his covenantal love, um, whether Israel is faithful or unfaithful. And so, so through patriarch, God's fatherhood in the Old Testament is especially poignant for me and um, uh, formative for me. And then Jesus's relationship with the Father and Jesus's reflection of the Father, Jesus's mediation of the Father. Um, so Jesus is kind of the most visible uh, manifestation of the Heavenly Father that we have. And so God in the Old Testament, the Father in Jesus in the New Testament, the patriarchs of the Old Testament, um, uh, spiritually speaking and uh, and historically speaking, those examples keep calling me to a deeper fidelity and a stronger virtue 
and a, a more graceful loving and, and patient loving as well. In my life, human fatherhood begins with Ronald Little, my dad, um, who is a heroic man of generosity, self-sacrifice, integrity, justice, honesty, who not only kind of uh, uh, was that in front of me so that I could see it, but he also educated and demanded, you know, that uh, that his sons grow in that in those virtues as well. And uh, and so um, so my father uh, was both patient and relentless, uh, patient with uh, me growing, but relentless in expecting me to keep growing. And, and I think that patience and relentlessness is, um, is kind of reflected in my own fatherhood. I'm accepting my spiritual sons and daughters where they are, but also relentless in, in uh, wanting them to grow, expecting them to grow, providing guidance for their growth, and then sometimes even holding them accountable for, for growing, you know, according to what they've, you know, decided and agreed upon. Other fathers, um, spiritual directors that I had, my first spiritual director ever, Father Robert Caro of the Society of Jesus, um, was a was also a patient, um, loving, and invested man who gave me the spiritual exercises while I was still an undergraduate at Franciscan University of Steubenville. Um, I think of other spiritual uh, men like Father John Murphy and Father John Author and Father Dan Petit, whom I've already mentioned. So uh, priests that have... Uh, given their lives to God, given their lives to the church, and then in a very personal way, have given their lives to me um, in different seasons to help me to see, to grow, to become stronger um, as a disciple of Jesus. A little bit kind of more distant uh, than those fathers that were kind of regularly invested, uh, St. John Paul II, of course, uh, seemed to be a father to the world and a father to the whole church, a, a father figure that was uh, inspiring without uh, lowering the demands of the gospel um, and could communicate uh, joyfully and freshly the, uh, the vibrancy of Jesus and the, um, uh, the faithful obedience to the gospel. Um, and in our own diocese, Archbishop Chaput, uh, before he went to Philadelphia, before he retired, continues to be a, um, an inspiring, uh, courageous voice that both accepts people where they are, but also expects people to, to keep growing um, in intelligence, in virtue, um, in evangelization, in the practice of the faith. And so, uh, so those are some of the fathers that have helped me to grow as a father myself. As you talk, I, uh, <laughs> I recognize in my own fatherhood of my children, how, how much a father has to keep in mind in the picture, the, the adjectives that you described, I mean, things like expecting and demanding and patience and guidance and holding to a high standard, but loving people where they're at, you know, I mean, it's basically everything. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and, mm -hmm. uh, and so my question is, where do you find that the, the directees that you've had or or the men in your community, mm -hmm. where do you find that they need fatherhood the most, where where nothing else will suffice? Yeah, yeah. Uh, young people, high school, college, young adults are aspiring to a greatness, and um, and they know that their God is great, and they're insecure in their own greatness, but they they have very great hopes and aspirations to become great. And I think what I find in the fatherhood of people that have been attracted to asking me to father them is that um, there is a kind of like my natural father, there's a, there's a joy and a love and, a, and an enthusiasm for life, but there's also kind of great expectations, great expectations for myself that I would live a, 
a life of integrity and virtue and repentance, you know, when I fall short, uh, but also that we can all live that uh, integrity and virtue and repentance and prayerful fidelity, prayerful fidelity. And so, so I find um, young people that have sought me out to be father, I, probably about a third of the men at Steubenville that asked me to be their director, I would ask all of them, you know, well, why would you ask me? And, they, and, and about a third of them would come back and say, because I hear you can kick my butt, you know? <laughs> and, uh, and, and it was, you know, rugby players or men from AMDG or uh, Brothers of the Eternal Song or POP, they, 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 they wanted a greatness that they wouldn't, ju- wouldn't reach themselves mm. because they couldn't coach themselves. They needed somebody to both love them and believe in them, but then push them to uh, their potential. And not faster than they were a- available for, but, uh, but moving and, and having traction. And so, so I, think, I, I think helping to provide clarity where there's ambiguity, uh, providing security where there's insecurity, providing kind of a, uh, um, um, I'm going to do this and I'm going to grow, you know. And, and a coach can, pr- there are many kinds of coaches for the, for the same sport, you know. But when you have a coach, you know that you're moving, you've got a direction. And it seems to me that, that uh, that people that have sought me out for fatherhood have have a direction towards greatness that they already kind of ambiguously desire, and they seek me out to put some kind of a, it's like kind of a skeleton and flesh and bones on it, so that they can so that they can actually grow towards the greatness that they know God wants to give them. They're just not sure how to get there. Mm-hmm. So you're in kind of a unique role of spiritual fatherhood as a priest, and. What I mean is that not only are you a spiritual father because of your priesthood or to directees and souls coming to you for guidance, but you're also the father of a group of adult men in your community. Mm. Can you speak to just the challenges and the blessings of being a spiritual father to men who are yes. joining you on this pursuit of religious life? Yes, yes. Um, I, yes, and and my brothers uh, in the community also kind of experience this um, because home is the is the hardest place, you know, uh, but also the most loving and most invested place. It seems to me that that Jesus had a wide variety of people in his life, people that he experienced only once, you know, and they experienced conversion or miracle, you know, and they remembered him for the rest of their lives. And priests too have those kinds of occasional you you hit one mass or one retreat, you know, and they might remember you, but there's not like this ongoing investment. And then there's people that are a little closer, maybe like the the uh, the, the the broad range of disciples that were around Jesus, and and there are many families, you know, affiliated. Uh, with Matchbuff or students at DU or families affiliated with Patriarch uh, that are that are closer that see us more regularly and uh, and see me more regularly and and I have more regular relationship with and and directees that I see you know every few weeks or every month um, that are much closer and I, I invest more in but there's nobody I love more than the men in my house but there's also nobody that I fail in front of more than the men in my house and and so there is a certain uh, there's a certain uh, grace and blessing of lived residential fatherhood that demands a kind of an integrity of life and demands a transparency and demands a humility in repenting. Um, and so nobody helps me to grow into fatherhood more 
than the young men um, who are growing into their own spiritual fatherhood in the servants of Christ Jesus. There's a, there's a great blessing in that. There's a great love. There's a great investment. There's celebrations. There's hope. There's desire. And there's also a long memory, you know, of of where we've come from and where we are now and where we want to go next. And so so there's a there's a great uh, investment and unity. But there's also a challenge because that lived experience also, like any family, you know, we take each other for granted, we rub each other the wrong way, you know, um, you um, have to um, kind of like keep exercising fatherhood, even when you've had a blatant failure, you know, and living up to your own standard, you know, or, or communication that isn't as gracious or graceful as it might have been. Uh, so fatherhood um, is uh, is spiritual, and in the house, it is not just spiritual. It is, you know, it has all those other dimensions of of time and resources and and physical responsibilities and uh, and and lots of forgiveness, lots of forgiveness. And so, uh, so nobody loves me. Nobody knows me more than the men in my house. Nobody loves me better than the men in my house. Uh, no, nobody. Um, uh, kind of um, accepts me, you know, where I am and where I aspire to be, like the men in my house, and I and I know that that's uh, that's the same for with me to them. Uh, there's this unconditional kind of like investment and availability, and there's also a uh, a, a great desire to rely on uh, on God's fatherhood more than mine, both for myself and for for the sons that God has entrusted me with. So, speaking about the men in your community. These men are all growing into a spiritual fatherhood of yes. their own. How do you, as the superior of your community and kind of in charge of their guidance and formation, how do you develop and encourage their own fatherhood when in many ways, you know, they're still actively sons in your community? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, securing their sonship is first and foremost, with God first and foremost, empowering them to grow in their relationships with their natural fathers, but also securing them as sons and within the community as well. Um, and, and from that security um, comes a growth in uh, fidelity to prayer, because the Heavenly Father is the one that's going to raise them to be the kinds of spiritual fathers that He needs in their generation, just as He's raised me to be the kind of spiritual father in my generation. And so, so really anchoring them in that uh, prayer is first and foremost, anchoring them in the sacraments of the church um, so that they are getting to confession. It's a custom to go weekly in our community, daily um, uh, participation in the mass, of course, deeply rooted in the word of God that will continue to um, convert them and inspire them to grow as men of God and as fathers in the future. And then gradually, as they go through their formation exercises, um, giving them more and more responsibilities in terms of preparing to preach a retreat, you know, uh, first preaching one talk, you know, then maybe preaching a couple of talks and then being responsible for a whole retreat. Even if I'm on the retreat or another priest is on the retreat, uh, Brother Thomas has grown into that where he's uh, he's uh, guiding not only high school retreats, but but a college retreat for University of Georgia. And so so gradually raising their preaching um, and then and then uh, really um, helping them to grow into classroom teachers. There's already been a uh, you know a podcast on teaching, I believe, but uh, 
But in the classroom, you learn the day in and day out of being in loco parentis, in the place of the parent, you know, um, helping uh, students not only to be entertained, but to actually be educated and to grow in virtue and reliability and fidelity to the, the rules and the policies of a school and of a classroom. And that day in and day out is, is really formative, not just to be able to teach content, but to graciously and generously praise and and build up, but also to correct and to hold accountable. Um, for men to grow into holding people accountable, they have to be held accountable. And, and so the accountability in our community helps them to be secure. Um, I'm accountable to Father Paul. The other members of the community are accountable to me, including Father Paul, so that they see accountability exercised so that as they grow, they're not just growing in great ideas, but they're also growing in um, the way a father um, has to um, aim high and then help people to grow into the heights to which God is calling them. Um, which means providing kind of the uh, the grounding that they need, the direction that they need, but also the uh, uh, the accountability that they need in order to get there. And then uh, um, I mentor them into spiritual direction after they've been in the community and after they've made the 30-day. Um, I mentor them into that. And it's beautiful because um, in supervision, as they grow as spiritual directors, I find myself sharing more and more dimensions, not only of spiritual direction, but of fatherhood. And I watch them kind of like hungering for that next level of, of perspective, of wisdom, of graciousness, of, of, of time management, you know, and of being able to see, hopefully, with the Heavenly Father's eyes as much as this fallible, you know, uh, superior can reflect that and can perceive it and then communicate it. Um, and so I, I don't expect my sons to turn out just like me. But I do um, hope to. Uh, get, uh, Jesus says, you know, everything that the Father has given me, I, I, I you know, I give over to you, um, or words to that effect. And and that's kind of what I want to do: is everything that the Father says to me and gives to me, I want to hand over, mm. that they would learn and receive it and adapt it to their own temperaments, their own personalities, to become the fathers. Uh, that, that God has destined them to be. Um, in addition to kind of like the ministry side, I'm also accepting more and more responsibility on the domestic side. You know, priests having opportunities to become superiors in my absence for shorter or longer amounts of time, giving them uh, kind of a responsibility for some of the administration, some of the responsibility for the temporal things as well as the spiritual things inside the community. Because I am ultimately replaceable, and if I do a good job, then uh, then the men after me will step into all of the things that I presently do, and they will do it better than I do because I've given them a confidence, I've given them a grounding, and I've given them what I've gotten. And if they get it at a younger age, then they're going to be further along you know, in their 40s than I was in my 40s, and I'm turning 52 this year when they're 52. Hopefully, they'll have more gifts than I had, you know, so that the community just keeps growing stronger and stronger because their fatherhood um, has been developed and exercised younger and younger. I think in closing, there's a, a question that I wanted to ask you related to uh, to the blessing of spiritual fatherhood. And I think it would be best to kind of contextualize this. I, I remember very vividly at Father James's first Mass, there was a moment, you know, where he invited his parents to come up at the end, and he said to them, you know, Mom and Dad, I know that when I decided to become a priest, that, that there was this kind of loss of 
grandchildren. And he's, he said, you know, for any of the, the spiritual sons or daughters that I've had, you know, directees or students, could you please stand up? And it was really beautiful. I mean, there were dozens and dozens of people who stood up. But I wanted to ask you just in closing, if you could speak to that blessing, because I think culturally we tend to view the priesthood and religious life as this loss of fatherhood. Mm. And so I wanted to invite you to speak into the gaining of fatherhood in a, mm. in a really unique way that, that, uh, that, that I won't, you know, that, mm. that I might be a spiritual father to, to mm. people, but not in the same way that you as servants mm. of Christ Jesus will mm. be. Um, it seems to me that the uh, father in heaven uh, begets all of his children on earth um, and he loves them, he blesses them, he empowers them, um, he instructs them, and then uh, and then he uh, he frees them, you know, and uh, he welcomes them home when they come home, and um, and it seems to me that that there is a universality to God's fatherhood that is reflected in um, spiritual fatherhood, whether that's through uh, lay spiritual fatherhood or ordained spiritual fatherhood, that just as uh, God fathers everyone. There is a certain sense in which a, a priest or a lay spiritual father um, steps into that in time to a very deep, very profound, godly fatherhood that, uh, that is instantly and deeply, utterly loving and available with all of one's capacity in a kind of blank check, unlimited way for this moment or for this season or for many, many years. Uh, it is it is distinct from from natural fatherhood in that we uh, as spiritual fathers don't often get them from the time that they were born. You know, um, we're we're stepping into someone's life almost in persona Christi. Um, even if apart from sacramental priesthood, you're you're stepping into their lives, invited into their lives uh, to to love them at a profound level, to offer security and encouragement. And inspiration and uh, and direction, and so so it is. It is beautiful. It is profound. It is it is life changing. I have my life has been changed by uh, natural fatherhood and uh, spiritual fatherhood. Those father figures in my life, and um, and it is beautiful to see the the change. You know that that is. Um, uh, and the and the profound influence that that fatherhood can be, you know, Saint Paul speaks of this in in relation to the Corinthians. He says, um, "For though you have countless guides in Christ, you do not have many fathers. For I became your father in Christ Jesus through the gospel." And elsewhere, Saint Paul tells, calls Timothy his true child in the faith. And so there is this. Uh, St. Paul changed Timothy's life. He changed the course of history with Corinth and Ephesus by, by being there for, for, uh, for, for long months um, and, and sometimes years. And, uh, and, and we continue to kind of go back to St. Paul as not just an apostle and a missionary, but a spiritual father. And, uh, and it seems to me that, that fathers conceive life and give life. And sacramentally speaking, of course, there's the conception of spiritual life at baptism, and there's the sustenance of spiritual life in Eucharist. But through providing scripture, providing intercession, providing uh, guidance and wisdom and direction, there are ways that we also uh, supplement the sacramental uh, sustenance that the church provides through the priests with um, all kinds of life-changing and life-giving gifts. 
Um, and uh, uh, our sons and our daughters uh, continue to exercise a consoling claim on our lives where we, uh, where we delight to be reconnected, whether that's on a regular basis or an irregular basis. And insofar as that glorifies God, insofar as that manifests uh, a glimpse, a fallible, finite glimpse of God's eternal fatherhood, um, I think the servants of Christ Jesus are, are, are blessed to have that role to manifest uh, glimpses of the Father um, and glimpses of Jesus and glimpses of the Spirit. Uh, but for this podcast, the Father, um, <laughs> that, uh, that we would uh, be the ground upon which people kind of can stand as they grow forth from their own uh, um, immaturity to greater maturity um, as sons and daughters, as brothers and sisters, and as the mothers and fathers that God has called them to be. All right. Blessed be God. Blessed be God. Thank yes. you very much, Ed. Thank you. Um, is there anything else that you want to, to say? To God be the glory. To God be the glory. Well, thank you very much for joining me and sharing about this important element of the spiritual fatherhood of the servants of Christ Jesus. Next week's episode will feature Father Paul Koska and Brother Peter Xavier, who will be joining me to share about penance in your community. As always, you can learn more about the Servants of Christ Jesus, and you can find podcast episodes as well as homilies and talks at scjesus.org. Thank you, Father John, for joining me. Uh, Thank you, Ed.